up, nerds? Welcome to episode 14 of The Bandwagon Fan. This is the show where we talk about a lot of things. We talk about World War III. Uh, we talk about uh, my marital life, but specifically, we talk about pop culture. I'm AJ. I'm Alex. <laughs> Every I'm <Jeff>. time. <laughs> we'll never get the intro right. Let's just... Oh, we got and one more. Hey, yeah, we did it. it. Names, oh, names my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Guys, it's been a rough week. Uh, it's been a rough... How, uh, I'm going to do my quality check on everybody. How, how is everyone? Very tired. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Alex? I'm going to say uh, the same times a thousand. Kate? The same times 2,000, but minus stress. So tired, but stress stress was there, stress now gone, but tired See, stays. Now she's just blessed. I feel I feel guilty. I'm, I've, I've been rejuvenated. I've had like the last two days off. So I, I feel great, guys. I'm like That's amazing. wide Good awake. I'm, re- I'm ready to go, dude. Are you unstressed, blessed, and ready to party? I'm I'm unstressed, blessed, and not pressed, baby. Yeah, I'm gonna put that on a t-shirt. I'm gonna put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> All I know is if you want to challenge yourself, uh, drive a 20-foot U-Haul through Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, whatever, New York City. Do it. It is a good test. Test of Ooh. driving skills. Test of patience. Patience. Test of people. Yep. It, it's. I think. I don't know. Is there? Is there a a more stressful place to drive through in the United States than New York? Um, probably not. Not in the U.S. At least. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. Unless, unless, uh, unless the four or five in L.A. is worse. But that's, um, that's about I'm it. Gonna, when I go back to L.A., I'm gonna kiss the four or five and thank it, <laughs> thank it for how glorious it is. Kiss that's your crazy. local bus. Kiss your subway. Kiss all your public transit. Exactly. Yes, please spread that COVID. All right, guys. So to start off in our news, um, we are kicking off with some some current events. Specifically, I wanted to bring up EA had their sales call, and I just wanted I just thought this was funny. Uh, if if you guys don't know, EA Electronic Arts they make a lot of video games, and they do that very poorly as of late. Specifically, with Battlefield twenty forty two. I don't even know what is it twenty one forty two. I think it's twenty forty two. 33 33 what i do know is that it's cheeks the game is pretty bad uh i played the beta i played uh the game like uh ea gives you like 10 hours uh free play and it was it was just a hot mess it was like i, I couldn't even I, it, it was it was as if somebody who's never played battlefield before just got like broad strokes of how to play the game and how the game goes and they're like okay We'll build a game from here. It, it doesn't resemble anything anyone else has ever played. And it turns out that everyone kind of agrees that it's chic. Uh, its player count went from like 100,000 on Steam to like almost 2,000 daily, which Whoa. is insane. There are more people playing Battlefield 4 right now, which came out like eight years ago, eight, nine years ago than, than this current Battlefield game, which is even crazier. But Wait, that's pretty uncommon too, right? Like most that's people don't skyrocket. Really uncommon. Yes, yeah. that's really, really uncommon. So in a in a you know, we always talk about that video games now, it's all directed by directors and 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 uh the these these the, your games are being directed by what these uh these people feel like their investors need to to make their money and stuff like that. Investors want answers as to why EA's last quarter was bad. And do you want to know what EA's response was? 
I would love to hear what EA's response is. EA told a group of grown men and women that their game was bad because Halo was too polished. Oof. That's a... Now... Sure taking responsibility for your product? Yeah, I don't know how that correlates. I don't know how somebody else's business... I feel like a, like when I was a kid, my mom used to get mad at me when I did something stupid. I'm like, well, my friend did it. And she's like, well, you know what? Your last name is Soy. That That's a different household. That's a different problem. You got to worry about your problems here. And and I kind of feel like EA needs to do the same. They got to take accountability. You know what I mean? You you take accountability for you making a bad game. Don't be blaming other other game studios for making a better game, detracting from your sales. Like that literally makes no sense. That, that, that actually makes us halo was free there was no cost multiplayer right right, correct but but it's free like there's no cost to it so i don't understand what you're comparing to it's bizarre that's very interesting well because like battlefield draw a battlefield in most games these days is the online multiplayer exactly especially for battlefield it wasn't until very recently it was a battlefield 4 when they actually invested in a campaign uh well they battlefield like quality, uh there's battlefield one like and battlefield campaign. five yeah had good campaigns in it because well, they went like four one and then one, five like I think. ten years ago yes i'm a little yeah. out of date on battlefield oh don't worry about it because um doesn't even matter no they one's played playing Bad a new company one too whenever that came out that was probably the last great one that that's was probably the good. last battlefield yeah, that, one was probably... great world uh, war one i loved that one it's it's fine it's fine the campaign was cool i, I didn't it's not for me it's not my aesthetic you know, I, I always joke around that, like, I have a hard time, like, playing video games where I'm like, yeah, you know, the black people here were just used for fodder in this war. So I'm not really sure if I want to, like, you know, get on vo- get on board with that, but whatever. Um, no, but in all seriousness, like, I just didn't really care too much about Battlefield 1 and Battlefield 5. So it's, it's whatever. They're not bad. They're not great. But they're definitely not as bad as this current uh, Battlefield game. So, um uh, to continue on the world of weirdness, Wait, you know what I'm probably oh. not going to be on board for. What? Uh, Kanye West, Donda Two. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. Yeah, so, yeah. so Kanye West, he's he's making a sequel to his album released last year, Donda, and but in in pure Kanye fashion, has to do it in the most obscure way possible. Um, and so like, there is there is this. This device that Kanye has. Have you guys heard of it? It's called a stem player. I have no idea what that is. Like a CD player, right? He wants everyone to buy a special device. So the stem player is this Bluetooth device. It kind of works uh, like you connect it to, I, be- I I think you just connect it to the internet. I, I don't know exactly how it functions in terms of connectivity. I just know it itself has Bluetooth. But basically, there's like a site. It has a bunch of music on there. And you download the music to the stem player. Uh, what it does, for those who don't know, when you download or listen to any music, it's usually in some type of like wave file or an MP3. These are compressed audio files. So like when you're in the studio, if like you're listening to, I don't know, Alex, name a band. Like name like a really uh, popular band. Blink one eighty two. Blink one eighty two. Okay. So Blink one eighty two, they have like what, a guitar player, they got like a bass player, they got a singer when they're oh, recording yeah. in the studio they yeah when they when they're recording in the studio on the big big old mixers they can control each of the individual feeds from like the microphones and stuff like that and it's put in a big file called like i think it's like a doc flack or something like that long story short 
that's those are the type of files that you're putting into the stem player. So what it allows you to do is that it allows you to like literally listen to a song playing any combination of the individual components of the song. So say you're listening to a Michael Jackson song, for example, you can isolate Michael Jackson's audio and just hear his audio without having to use any other programs to do that. Or exactly. The the idea is it's an incredibly cool idea. Uh, The idea is essentially to kind of just give people creativity with already made music. You know what I mean? And try to see what the first Donda though. I thought he, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He released it. He released it before uh, the first album was was released. However, he has not made his music exclusive to the STEM player until now. So that's That's, essentially what's happening now. It is unique. Mm -hmm. How much is a STEM player or is this only time you have a STEM player? It is $200. It it looks like from what I can understand and tell, it looks like it's a completely proprietary thing. So it looks like no, he, he, yeah, it's 200 bucks. It's insane. But um, I think he paired, I think he paired with um, some designer or engineer or something like that to make this thing. Uh, it's a cool idea. I think this would be better suited as like a, a ten or fifteen dollar app, in my personal opinion, than a physical device that I need. Well, to because it's Kanye walk around and it's exclusive. Yes. It's perfect yes, exactly. For it's, money. it's perfect. It's perfect for Kanye and his making money needs. Uh, he's claiming that he's doing this because he only receives twelve percent of a cut from proceeds from like Apple and Spotify and stuff like that, which seems honestly. Fairly accurate. Yeah, whatever. I mean, jargon. look, I love Kanye, but uh, this is just another list of the crazy things he's done. So it just becomes all the same at one point, you know? I would That's, get one of these STEM players if I, I would buy one of Kanye's as long as I could put other music on there. It's, it doesn't, you can. Yeah. You can. Yeah. Yeah, you can. They're trying to make this an actual streaming platform. So this whole, but that's what, that's what makes Kanye's comments a little strange. You know, according to Yahoo, he wants to redesign the world and music with his stem player. (laughs) That's a very Kanye sentence. Yeah, that's That's a very Kanye. Kanye. (laughs) That's a very Kanye thing to say. Yeah, does sound cool. I'll hold off until like 10 years from now when they have like the third or fifth generation and it's actually affordable. Yeah, it's not affordable right now. It's totally a niche thing. I'm not going to listen to it. Uh, like, I, like, what am I going to do? Take this thing with me to my car so I can listen? Like, it's ridiculous. So. It, it is, but I, I can see it kind of cool, um, especially if you're playing, like, new releases. For instance, the new release we, Kate and I played this week, was the new Avril Lavigne album. Did either yeah, of you know that she was crazy. still making music? I Did had no idea. She was alive. <laughs> yeah, I knew she was alive. alive. But I thought the I thought she's left music behind her, so that's kind of cool. Good for her, she, yeah. Good for her, man. Yeah, she made like a singer songwriter type record a couple of years ago that did not take off. This is full on classic Avril Lavigne. Um, this is back to like the hey hey you you I wish it was your girlfriend. Hey or, hey you you yeah okay yeah. I don't like your it's, girlfriend hey hey you you yes, I think you need I, a new that, one yeah that one <laughs> yeah she's angsty she looks angsty. the same. And she sounds the same. Kind of sounds as if she's trying to copy Olivia Rodrigo and have like a I'm an angsty teenager punk album, which that was her first album ever, but that was back in like 1999. Oh, so, so is it cringe? Wow. Is it good? 
It's a little cringe when you think too hard about I'm, the fact that she's nearing 40 and she sounds like she's 16. Well, I believe her first record was actually 2002. So if that's uh, true, then it's a 20-year anniversary ooh. of her staying punk. So in other words, she might be a little bit too old for well, this, for this I demo. Think I heard it's a number one record. So like clearly people what? like it. Yeah, we, we were like cleaning and moving to this week and like... It is 2002. Wow. For her first album her was first 2002, record. and this is 20. Yeah, this is 20 years later. Yeah, it's. Hey, man, good for her. Post I would say it's safe, but it's kind of fun if you just want to uh, pretend you're 12 and angsty and what's up the past. I like to call yeah. it one of the exclusive releases of uh, the Barker Core Train, which is uh, a okay. Travis Barker drumming on like every pop punk record in the past like yeah. seven months. Dude, he is everywhere. I don't think people yeah. realize that. Yeah. He's got that Kardashian. He's got that Kardashian superpower in him. So, dude, I mean, he's worked. He did a, oh, go ahead, Josh. Well, I was just—he's been working with so many people. I know he is like a—he a, worked with Demi Lovato, Yellow Wolf. Um, I don't, who else he did he work with? Collaboration with Willow, and she's also he, kind of yep. going into the pop punk scene too. Yeah. Didn't you say he has his own label now too? He's got his own label, DTA Records. Hey, see, look what Chris. Look what Chris Jenner will do for you. That's amazing. Everybody good, needs good a for manager. Him. Every, yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. So I, hey, hey, Chris, if you want to like glow up our podcast, let us know. I'll take I'll take the assistance, please. Mommy Chris, that'd be I'll awesome. Mommy, Mama, Mama Chris, yeah, guys. Uh, what else? Oh, we wanted to talk about some shows that are coming up for April or March. Jeez, what what month am I in? Uh, for the month of March, uh, have you got? Do you guys have anything you're looking forward to? Um. I know that we talked about some of the shows that we think are going to be interesting. Moon Knight. Um, Moon Knight is probably yeah, the, definitely the Moon biggest Knight. one. So Josh got well, me on that train. Yeah. Welcome uh, so, to the Order of Country. Some of the other shows that I'm I'm interested. In. I don't know if you guys watched uh, Picard season one. Negative. Um, mm-hmm. It was okay. It was all right. I mean, it wasn't bad, but you can see how they're trying to transition like the old school Star Trek into like a new school vibe. And I think I'm, I think I'm here for it. I think it's going to, I think it's good. I think it's potential to spin off a better Star Trek than Star Trek discovery, which okay. I'm not a big fan of, but I thought this was better. Yeah. I, I've heard mixed things. And I, as a kid, I like Star Trek. So one of these yeah. days I, I'll uh, I, give it a shot. I always yeah, hated I, Star Trek and I only jumped on board when they um, relaunched it and like, 2009 or somewhere around then and ruined okay. star trek for hardcore fans i only yeah. liked it at that point well i would i would say give picard a shot it is it's not the greatest thing you'll ever watch but it's also not bad it's fine it's just fine i hope hopefully they build on what they made with the like the new lore they kind of built in season one and and hopefully they make something better so we'll see um okay. Yeah. Uh, also, we have a, a new show, The Boys, uh, presents Diabolical, which is a cartoon uh, uh, spinoff of The Boys, which I've is actually kind of cool. The Boys. the Boys is excellent. Please is watch this, it if you have not watched is it. Is this like a continuation of The Boys, or is this like its own spinoff series? It's a spinoff. Same universe. I'm not going to give away kind of the premise because it does spoil some context for... I guess the end of season one, if you haven't watched it, uh, but I will just say same premise, same uh, same universe. It's just it, it's more. It, it takes more of like the vibe of like like a Justice League meets um, I don't know any other an- adult animated cartoon show. It sounds that kind fun of to me. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be cool. Uh, there's I, also... Oh, sorry. What were you going to say? Saying, I, didn't, I didn't really look at like much shows releasing next month that I was super excited sure. with. But I know, I know it's... I believe March 4th is when it releases, but I am actually very excited for the new Batman movie. The best. Oh yes, yes. That's been the number one thing. I've Very. Been that's. The, I. I. I think that's yeah, going to be sneaky. I, good. I, also, found out that uh, um, who plays Batman in this Batman movie? I can never remember. Robert Patterson. It's Robert Pattinson. Yes, Robert Pattinson is a big Final Fantasy VII fan, which is awesome. Uh, he's a he. I guess he he's like a big nerd for Final Fantasy games. So nice. If you didn't know that, now nice. you know. He's. He's one of us, guys. He's one of us. Podcast. We should get him on. Yeah, <laughs> that would be actually really cool if he oh, wants to. Text him? I'll, I'll yeah, hit him up. Thank you. Hello. Please. Uh, also, <laughs> also, uh, there is a show on HBO called Winning Time, almost like a comedy satire uh, depiction of the rise of the Lakers and basically the NBA. But uh, it's got uh, John C. Riley playing um, uh, Mr. Bus, which is awesome. Uh, I think it's gonna be really funny. Uh, they got all like the the the, the workings of, to make that show interesting. We also have Halo premiering, uh, which we're all interested in. Atlanta season three finally okay is coming back. Thank God, been waiting for Atlanta forever. Oh yeah, Love that I keep show. forgetting like I feel like it just went totally like surpri- like drop surprise. It's been like four years. Oh I my loved gosh, it. I loved Atlanta season one. Such and two. a good show, excellent show. Um, God, love God, it so God, much. Have either of you seen Atlanta? I've never seen it. So you have to watch it. This is the kind of person I am. I watched the first episode, loved it, and didn't watch any more of it. Ah, I do that with so many shows. Time. I think it's on Hulu. I do that with so many shows. Please I, watch Atlanta. Do you want to know what else I did that with? Breaking Bad. Oh, I did the same. I watched the first two yep. episodes of Breaking Bad and just gave it up. Then it was good. Yeah, but I liked I just, it. Uh, yeah, hate me. This something that I love about Atlanta you, is I, no, don't say that. But something <laughs> something that I love that I love about Atlanta is that I I love its depiction of of African Americans of black people and the way that it it shows black people in a very different perspective that it feels so much more genuine. Than something like uh, Sneakerella, for example. I know that's something oh, we never talked geez. about, but yeah. yeah, something like Sneakerella that is such like a, a such an offensive concept of a of a movie. You know what I mean? And it's like this is clearly written, or even Euphoria. Something I every time I watch Euphoria, I'm like, whoever wrote the black people on this show has to be white because no black parent would ever act this way about their kid becoming a crack addict. So you know, it happens all the time. You can tell that this show is written. With a lot of thought, and I love that show. Is and it then written all, by uh, Donald Glover? Or Donald it- Glover. It's co-written between Donald Glover and I cannot remember the uh, other writers, but Donald Glover is like he's kind of like main yeah, producer. That's amazing. Um, I, I couldn't remember yeah. if he was a writer or um, a director of it. No but- one human should be that talented. Just letting you guys know. No, he, that he guy, has a disgusting amount of that, talent. I don't know. I don't know who he absorbed at birth, but like <laughs> no one person should be this talented. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, and then finally we have Bridgerton season two. I don't know if you guys know, I'm a big uh, Downton, a uh, Downton Abbey fan. Uh, if you guys aren't watching the Gilded age, that's an excellent show written by the same guy who wrote Downton Abbey. Uh, so Bridgerton is right up my alley. I know it's surprising. The Gilded Age about? Okay. Oh, the Gilded Age is a. It's essentially American Downton. It's amazing. It's is it what it's time white. Period? 
Oh, the, the eighteen age. late late yeah, guilty late eighteen hundreds in America. So... It takes place in New York. Um, and on top of that, and on top Do of they that, drive U hauls through uh, uh, through Brooklyn in this uh, series. Um, we yeah, can just... talk about it. Yeah, we can talk about it another epi- in another episode. But I just love like there's nothing I love than passive aggressive petty rich white people. It's a, it's a very entertaining <laughs> to watch. I, I gotta be. Oh my! Oh, then you'll love this show because no. everybody gets cut down. <laughs> Everybody gets cut down to pieces. It's great. It's great. It's okay. it's a really good show. Um, I'll go into it another time, but when, when the season's over, maybe we'll do a spotlight on it or something. Um, but yeah, so anything else you guys ever want to talk about or no, 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 we're good. Sure. Really good. All, right. All right. Moving on. Uh, I guess I'm, I guess I'm up to bat still. Uh, we also, so yeah, so I played destiny, the witch queen, uh, me and my friends, we uh, beat the the main campaign. Real quick, is that um, that's a sequel, right? Oh, you just said campaign. that's a sequel. Yeah, it's a sequel. To they two? they do their they do. It's really complicated, and that's kind of what I wanted to get into because I tried to get Josh to play Destiny. I think he still plays it, but it's just such a complicated game. Um, basically, number one, they never intended to make a sequel to Destiny. It's always just it. It was just meant to be this like long sprawling game okay that's number one but when they made destiny one it didn't really have a story all the story and destiny and this is so insane is built from like conversations in the game like there's no like up until like recently there wasn't like a coherent set of cutscenes that you could watch that would build a story it is probably the most like insane way to do storytelling that's i don't so understand it it is so confusing it's you think it's confusing to to play through try explaining it to other people which i'm gonna do today um so uh, the reason why i'm gonna do this is because a lot of people can't play destiny one anymore i think those servers are offline and then they took away uh the the main campaign from destiny 2 so you can't play a big chunk of it so if you want to get into it you might be a little lost um, so I just kind of just wanted to, like, do you guys, are you guys familiar with destiny so, at all? Yes. But like, like, so they're like punishing new players for like jumping in too late. Uh, I wouldn't like say, I wouldn't say punishing. I would say that if you choose to jump into destiny to play the witch queen, you'll get a lot of what I'm going to explain, but the chronological order would be pretty confusing unless you sit down and listen or watch somebody explain all of this. You know what I'm saying? So it's 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 very bizarre. Again, there's not a single train of thought in this in this timeline. So it takes like the community to be able to like bring that together. That's part of why people love Destiny so much. That hurts my brain. <laughs> I know it's really weird, but I I think I did a really it, good job a, of explaining lot, yeah. it. Yeah, I think I did a really good job of explaining it and being able to explain it in five minutes. So check this out. So this is actually pretty cool. So the Witch Queen. Okay, the Destiny of the Witch Queen. It is about literally this like this god who they dubbed the witch queen right but to understand how we get here we got to start at the beginning right so destiny is basically this big story about light and dark right with me so far pretty simple right yes, so good far. versus okay. bad right um so uh one day uh have you guys seen like uh odyssey a space uh space odyssey or 2000 a space odyssey like the I old Stanley kubrick movie I, okay i love it <laughs> In, infamous good. scene infamous scene in that movie is when the apes find the monolith 
And then all of a sudden, it, it like ushered in like a new like era of mankind. It's a really iconic scene. The apes are like jumping around, and then they learn how to use like technology. It's a cool scene. So same type of thing happens in Destiny. Like 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 we're like so. And the reason why this is also kind of cool is because like Elon's trying to send us to Mars. So if this actually does happen in real life, it'd be pretty scary. But basically, we get to Mars and we find this giant like moon, this white moon thing, and it starts talking to us. And it gives us knowledge on how to like expand mankind. So we take that knowledge back to Earth, and it starts what they call the Golden Age. We basically learn space travel. We learn from the I moon. Don't know, yeah, from this moon thing. And the this moon is destiny or space yeah. odyssey two thousand. <laughs> no, we're off. We're off space odyssey. We're, we're, we're back off in destiny now. We're back in okay, destiny we're back land in right destiny. now. Talking. I was just. I was just. Moves, I was just it. using. I was just using it as a, uh, I guess, base reference. If you've seen that movie. Because it'll make that make a little bit more sense. But basically, this moon that we that we dubbed the, the traveler, right? It 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 gives us it gives us like knowledge. And so we use that knowledge, we build mankind, we build a crazy big civilization, right? And uh out of that civilization, we build like robots. They're called exos. These robots, they are able to, they're like humans, but they're just made up, they're just robots. Um, then we also build this like nanotechnology, and it's like really, really really dangerous, but it's cool because we send the nanotechnology to other planets. It terraforms the planets. You with me so far? That's like the base level. That's all you really need to understand. Um, Destiny 1 is basically you play as this person called a guardian. And this... you. The, the, Are you the, like badass the, with like a huge gun and a sword? You're badass with a huge gun and you find out that like you are essentially... You, you lived a whole nother life and you died. And the traveler revived you. And and like it's like almost like an agreement that like I'm gonna revive you and in turn you protect me. So that's basically honestly the entire premise of Destiny One. You protect the traveler. You protect you you fulfill your destiny by protecting the traveler. It's the traveler. The name. Yeah, it's in the name exactly. So you protect the traveler um, from like a bunch of these like uh, like what a bunch of these different alien races because at this time. Bunch of alien races, they're attacking Earth. You fight them off one by one. Uh, one day, you fight off this specific alien race called the Hive. Uh, this dude comes and he's like, um, I need to kill the I need to kill the traveler. You stop him, you think it's all good, right? Fast forward, turns out that this alien called uh, uh he's, he's part of like something called the Hive. Uh, his father is like a Hive god, he gets pissed, he comes to Earth. He messes stuff up. He kills a lot of people. It's it's a bloodbath, but you know you you do your thing. You fight him. You win the day. So what this current Destiny DLC is essentially referencing is all the current events that happen after that fight, and you fight this Hive God's sister. And so playing is the it, sister more powerful? Yes, not because of strength, but she's called the Witch Queen because she's like the god of lies. So she uses she uses like subterfuge and and cunning and deceit to basically get what she wants um this is also part of bungie's like push to make a stronger narrative so this is so this dlc and the last dlc were the first two to have like an actual story like it feels like you're playing a real a real video game now like there's stories there's cutscenes that lead to a tangible story this one was by far the best i think i've ever played in destiny um the world first of all I need to give a, a a big shout out to the artist 
that that Bungie has locked up in a basement somewhere because these people have they like there's probably no other video game I can think of right now that has such vivid like imagery and and Josh has played a little bit of Destiny and he's seen this like it is pretty impressive that you can see what these people come up with in terms of like making you feel like you're in a different world it is so impressive and like the, what the 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 area that you uh, explore in this DLC, you're never in a same. You're never in the same area twice. Like every time you enter a new area, it feels like a completely different place. It is absolutely breathtaking. Sometimes, uh, the kind of just like the art design that they do for like the it sounds armor. like a, a bit like when you're reading a comic book, like looking at the yeah. Panels. Oh yeah, I mean that's a really good description because it, it feels often like that. Like that imagery that comic book artists use to kind of just bring different perspectives or bring different um, uh, aspects of their comic to life. I feel like the destiny does that on like cocaine. Like it, it just, it's just visually, you can often just get lost and just looking at things. I love uh, seeing that, that like in a video game. Uh, yeah. Especially the use of colors. Their use of colors is mm-hmm. so cool. I mean, they use, they, I mean, destiny is not afraid to go through the, through the palette. And so that's probably like one of the biggest things that's so impressive. I mean, on top of the music, the music in Destiny is always incredible. Um, but the story was really interesting. And, and basically, without giving too much away, what the story really wants you to understand is that everybody, good or bad, does things for their own personal reasons. And, yeah, and, and I think one of, the, one of the most like revealing moments without giving like plot points away is that you kind of you kind of put two and two together and you kind of realize like this traveler, right? This thing that, that we as humanity treat as like a God, quote unquote, it may be helping us for its own selfish reasons. You know what I'm saying? And it, it we may just be a byproduct of its, of its, of, of its situation that it's in. And so it's, it's, it's really just, it's really presenting you with like very more like real life moral situations that we have of like, what side do you really want to stand on? Because do you even understand what you're fighting for, right? I so I I thought the DLC was great. It's about six or seven hours of content, which is a lot for a DLC. Um, like so you'll get your. For me. I don't want to yeah. play more than like fifteen. You're not going to play. Yeah, you're not. You're not. You're not going to like be playing this for for months if you don't want to. Um, but I highly recommend that if you wanted to get into Destiny, you wanted to jump in. I think this is a great place to jump in. There's a lot to do. And I think they've really distilled the game enough where, like, you don't have to really know the, the previous stories to enjoy this one. It will kind of seem like this is like the like, like a new game, like a like a start of a new game for you. So it's it's I give it I give it the five thumbs out of five. Ooh, um, five thumbs out of five. Five oh. thumbs out of five. It was it was really really fun. You're making um, me it, curious about even. I would like to even just sample Destiny, and I would. Yeah, probably it's a cool game, this. man. I, I played it's a little a, bit of it. A, it's cool. It's a great game. I will say that it is intimidating, and I think that's why more people don't play it because what I just explained the story. I can't. We if we did a spotlight for Destiny, we would have to do at least six or seven spotlights. Like there are so. <laughs> I know, I know, but there are there's so much like content that you can d- jump into. But they built the gamers like if you just want to jump in collect some cool guns, shoot some things, then you could do that too. You don't have to you don't have to like partake in like the the deep dive stuff. So you're getting freedom of choice. Yeah. Like you're what getting I was going to say is somebody who's only played it a little bit, 
I never played it because, like AJ said, I was very intimidated by this massive lore. And then I watched some YouTube videos. AJ explained it to me a little bit. And Destiny is great. Like, if you just want to play a shooter game, it's a fun shooter. If you want to get to, like, Lord of the Rings, you know, level of lore and depth, this is also the game for you. This is also the game for you. If you like sci-fi and fantasy... Also, the game for you. This this is yeah. a this is a, it's it's got a little something for everyone. It's it's cool. It's fun. And the awesome. weirdest thing about this game, I'm surprised how many women play this game. Destiny has strangely a very large female community base. I do not know why. Out of any other game, any other like 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 first person shooter, I I don't know if any other one has like a as big of like a female player base, which is really strange to me. I don't. I don't know why that is. I mean, maybe because it's quote unquote, it's it's not a competitive first person shooter. You know what I mean? Like it's not like Call of Duty where you're constantly fighting against other players. Just, you know, yeah, maybe that's the, why. The, maybe the fan base is more laid back. Yeah, I think I think that's a big part of it too. But it's just very interesting um, that all kinds of people play this game. Uh, to this day, Destiny's been out for I think almost nine years, and it's still top five most played game in the world. So pretty cool. Pretty cool. Nice. So yeah, that's my that's my review for Destiny, guys. What else we got? We got Batman the Imposter out of DC Ooh. Comics. The this is a crea- comic, not a not a show, right? Correct. This is a comic. Um, what's really interesting about it is on the creative team you have the writer Mattson Tomlin, who actually worked on the upcoming Batman, the Batman film. Okay. So the the he he worked on the script for the Robert Pattinson. Batman film that's about to come out, and he wrote this For a story. Second, I was like, "Are you saying his name wrong?" Intentionally, I, I no, definitely stole that joke. It, it's Robert. It's Robert Pattinson. Pattinson. Oh man, I'm not gonna say that five times. I don't, I don't know. But anyways, he worked on the upcoming <laughs> Batman film, so um, it's really interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see like what transferred over, like what what similarities there are going to be between this and the film. Artist is Andrea Sorrentino. Colorist is Jordi Belair. It's from DC Black Label, which is geared more towards a mature audience. Uh, it's a lot, usually a lot grittier and darker, like more mature themes. It's also not in the main continuity. But what's really cool about Black Label is it's put out some of the better comics, like overall, lately that I've been reading. I don't think I've ever heard of this imprint before. DC Black Label? Yeah, or maybe I've noticed it, or maybe I've read stuff from it and haven't noticed. Yeah, I mean, they, they have a lot of really great titles. They did The Other History of the DC Universe by John Ridley. That that was a pretty cool one. I think we talked about it on the show at one point. Um, they, they've done like some John Constantine, Swamp Thing. I don't, Black Label, if you're looking for something that's not, doesn't have a lot of continuity behind it, but has quality story writing, I definitely recommend checking that out. This one too, it's it's very dark, gritty, noir-esque. And it starts out where Batman, he arrives at the home of a doctor, Leslie Tompkins, and he's all shot up and bleeding. And right away, she knows who he is. And what is interesting is the reason she knows who he is is because she was his childhood psychologist, psychiatrist. So she recognizes him. And back when he was a child, she diagnosed him with acute anxiety, OCD, uh, said he was possibly on the autism spectrum and that he also had PTSD. So right away, like this is to me, it was a cool thing that they're taking into account Bruce Wayne's mental health. 
because that's mm. always been one of my issues with the Batman character. They kind of ignore it usually. It, yeah, he's just like, yeah. oh, I'm this dark brooding man. It's like, no, dude, like you are a damaged human being. So I like that right away. They're like, yeah, he, he's got issues. And he also went to therapy, which is great. Go to therapy. Uh, what what was really interesting is also the fact that she said he was possibly on the autism spectrum. Like, I've never, I don't know, like, I've never thought about that. But if you do think about it, if you know anything about autism and about being on the spectrum, it kind of makes sense. I don't know if, you, like, AJ, Kate, or, or uh, Alex, like, if you have any Whatever my name it. is. <laughs> Josh always <laughs> forgets my name. Um, oh, yeah, it's Ranger, number three. Ranger. Hi, Alex. Hi. Do you guys have any like? Do you know anything about like the autism spectrum? Uh, very, very, very little. Um, autism is something that uh, I have not been uh, privy to understanding as well as I I would like to. So yeah, I, I know very little of it. Same. I don't think I know enough to comment. So you should tell yeah. us what you know. But okay. I am yeah. I, I am curious with this because I've never I've never thought of Batman being autistic. So but and like what like the understanding of autism I think is slowly changing. I think the perception of it in the general public is very different from what you would see if you work in like a clinical or in a special education environment. Right. Like it, it's called a spectrum now because it's not like you are autistic or you're not, it's that you might be somewhere on the spectrum of it. Right. And so like part of the Bruce Wayne's characteristics is like he has like that that OCD and like that inability to like always connect with people, like those are a few of the things, and like that savant level almost of uh, intelligence would also like, like. There's a lot of different components. They don't really dig into that a whole lot, but it was just a minor detail that I thought was really interesting. And, and yeah, I think it's a cool they'll, conversation. Maybe talk about that in future issues. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah. I'm only gonna be talking about issue one because this is in trade now. If you don't know what trade means, that means all the issues are all together in this book. It's a nice hardcover. Very beautiful. Go pick it up. Going back to the story, though, Dr. Tompkins threatens to call the police. And she's like, you're out there, you know, being a vigilante, beating people up. You're going to get yourself killed. And Bruce Wayne says, last week was the first night. There was a night where there was no crime. And that's the first time that's happened in 54 years. And the next page, it's a splash page. So it's like a double double page of art. Actually, it's, I think it's one page of art. Big image of Batman standing on this church tower. And it's a silhouette in white. And he's overlooking the city. And then there's a, a panel beneath that. And you see his, fa- uh, his silhouette of his face. And you see him crying. So it, it's very interesting that like for him to see a night where there's no crime. Like it, it has an emotional... Uh, payoff for him yeah i don't know if i've ever seen that exist in a batman universe before a night of no crime that and the fact that him realizing there's no crime like it makes him cry i I don't think i don't think i've ever seen that in a batman comic i don't think most people have batman cry i can i can promise that exactly you what are what are the aliens from destiny aj the the bug people oh those are hive the hive, yeah, you can count on one of their hands how many times Batman has cried. I mean, so they have like three fingers of... on no, one hand, have... though. Yeah, that's true. One hand, they have three fingers. <laughs> they have like six arms or something. <laughs> oh, they have like what? six, four or six arms, but they have three fingers per uh, yeah. 
per hand. Some of them have some of them have no fingers. Yeah, the other one guy's got a, a, a prosthetic yeah, a arm. Yeah. But but yeah, going back to the Batman because that's what I'm talking about. Uh, Bruce Wayne, he's like, I'm making a difference. It's not the cops. It's not the politicians. And then Dr. Tompkins, they call her Leslie. That's her first name. She gives him a piece of paper. She's like, hey, sign this. Batman's like, "What? why? And she says, if you sign this, like you're now a patient of mine. And whatever conversation we have is now confidential. Mm. And so, and she says to him, if you come to see me every day at dawn, we're going to talk. We're going to work together to try to help you. But if you don't do this, I'm going to call the cops and tell people who you are. Whoa. That's so it's little... like this. It's it's really cool, in my opinion. She's like, hey, well, you can either do therapy with me and we're going to help you or I'm going to tell everybody who you are. Hmm. Isn't that isn't that illegal as a therapist? To... I, I think, think it, it, isn't there some leeway if if your if your patient is breaking breaking the if law? If you're hurting someone or someone is hurting you, I think therapists right. are required by law to report it. So. To report it, yeah. So I think I think that's why. I always think of like Tony Soprano. Like anytime he's about to say something where he's potentially talking about killing someone, his therapist is like, "You better be careful about what you're about to tell me because I <laughs> yeah. will have to report it." I'm yeah. shocked that the therapist wants to meet at dawn. Does this lady not like to sleep? Well, it's because. Well, when does Batman <laughs> operate, though? <laughs> Nighttime, I guess. But I just, so, I just envision, I just envision him coming. <laughs> I know. I, I envision him co- coming into the uh, into her ther- the therapist's office, covered in blood, and being like, <laughs> so "With let an me tell you the, on hand." Yeah, yeah. He's like, <laughs> "Let me tell you what the Joker did today." Like, wow, what kind of conversations is this? Like, crazy. But, but yeah, I mean, like he works at night. And so if he comes at dawn, that means he's alive. Like he survived fighting crime for the night. Mm. But again, I, I think the whole, the take on Batman is a human being who has a lot of trauma that he needs to work through. Love that take. I keep saying I'm, I'm, I get, I'm a huge Batman fan, but I'm tired of the man child that Batman tends to be. Mm-hmm. This adds a lot more nuance to it. I like the idea of uh, mental health mixed with superheroes, you know? Because yeah. everybody's living through something, even superheroes. Especially yeah. Batman. And needs someone to talk about it with. It, exactly. I it, it's. I think it, I enjoy, I know a lot of people might not enjoy this, but I do enjoy it when you have a little bit of reality injected into what you're reading. It, it help, at least for me, it helps me to, to connect to it. it. It resonates more. Same here. It helps me um, be able to like take the scenarios that are happening in the story and be able to apply it to my own life. Um, and like some, I don't know, I feel like there are certain stories, comics, movies, whatever that you, you grow from. And if there's nothing that you can relate to at all with the character, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's really frustrating. And I find that really boring. Like, even though something might be like, not believable or unreal, like in the real world that we're living in right now, like to have believable aspects, that's so that definitely reels me in. Mm-hmm. Right. And like for me, a lot of DC stuff, especially Batman, it does have that grounded in reality feel. I mean, obviously, like there's stuff that's not realistic whatsoever. But I do appreciate from time to time when when someone creates a story where it does feel more grounded. So that, that's how the story, the issue starts off. And then it, there's a scene change and we meet a woman named Detective Wong. She uh, works for the GCPD and she gets called into the precinct for a new case. And there's been a video that the police have received that shows allegedly Batman with three men on their knees on a rooftop with hoods over their head 
and he pushes all three of them off of the rooftop. So essentially, there's a video of Batman killing three people. Yeah, I was going to say, they definitely sound like they're dead here. They are dead. Basically dead. They, they are very dead. And so there's a task force that's being assembled because Batman is now wanted for murder, as seen on this videotape. And Wong and the readers are obviously very suspicious of this. And part of her theory is she wonders if the elite, the rich elite of Gotham have orchestrated this because Batman is beginning to interfere with their economics, with their the way their money works. Because when you have that much money in that kind of a city, you probably did not earn it, honestly. So she, she's a bit skeptical. And yeah, the, the Gotham City now thinks Batman is a killer. Issue uh, comes to a close with Bruce going back to uh, Dr. Tompkins. And she, it's, there's a few page, a few panels where it's dawn. Bruce hasn't shown up. She's about to call the police and she's very conflicted. She's like, I don't want to do this. And she like has 911 dialed on her phone. She's about to push it. And then he shows up and he's like, Hey, Hey, she couldn't send a text. (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) He couldn't send a text. He couldn't be like, you know, running Running late. late. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> or at no. least have like a set time of like, okay, if you're not here by five fifteen, I'm doing it. Yeah, let me be. Let me be late. What if, what if I'm like balls deep in crime right now? Like you don't know what I'm doing. Or I don't balls know. deep in traffic. Like oh oh, that's true. You know, like like that, cooking. That gets, oh like yeah, stir, yeah that's true, like stir fry. That's true. Well, Actually, there, there's this joke on uh on certain corners of social media that Batman doesn't have sex, but. That, that's a conversation for another time. It, it's I'm pretty, pretty sure actually I've read pretty some funny. issues where Batman and Catwoman are definitely <laughs> no it, it, uh, hanging out. We don't like. I could do like a whole twenty minute dive in, into that. It, it's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, she's about to call the cops. Batman shows up. She's like, "Did you kill those people?" And his reaction is like, "Do you really think I would?" And he lets her know like, "There's an imposter in Gotham who is trying to ruin my name and ruin everything I've been trying to do." And that's how the issue ends. Wow, I think it you sounds know, like a good uh, like a good trade. I would definitely check it out. Yeah, I highly recommend picking this up. It's all collected there for you in a nice little hardcover. It was written by the guy who worked on the new movie, so I, I think I, I have high hopes for the movie too now because of this. I just want to I just wanted to throw in that uh, there's probably already some run that already exists with a similar plot line, but I've you brought up an interesting point with like, you know, maybe it's these other billionaires in Gotham who are kind of ganging up on Batman and using their resources to stop him. I always thought like, how is it possible that Batman or Bruce Wayne can exist as Batman and no other rich person would, would ever find out? I mean, rich people have a lot of resources and somebody, somebody would find out that Batman is uh, Bruce Wayne. Bruce so Wayne's I think, got better resources. I think, I but I think I think it would be pretty cool for Batman to have a Lex Luthor-like villain that he cannot fight as Batman, that he needs to always have to confront as Bruce Wayne. I think that'd be mm, kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I think really that, I, that that would be that would be his real kryptonite, right? Yeah. Not being in a position where he cannot solve the problem with his money or fists. He now has to do the thing he probably hates the most and, and use some type of political savvy to stop his villain. I think that'd be kind of cool. 
I thought I was gonna say it would be funny if you had like a neighbor next door who was like the most asshole neighbor ever. Like his, his Dinkelberg. Yeah, he needs like he needs like the neighbor from hell that literally like nothing he can do. Uh, I could just imagine it's like it's like some guy wearing like uh, New Balance shoes and ankle high like white socks, and he's just mowing his lawn. He's like, "Hey, Bruce, had a had a pretty late night last night, huh?" That we talked about. He's like. I saw the Batmobile pull up. Like, ah, oh. this guy's got to die. This guy's like got to die. Batman versus the HOA. Like, the really nosy HOA president. See, that's, we need to we need to get with some comic book writers. We're this, like, we noticed your uh, your your uh, your gnome, your lawn gnome was two feet to the left. It's supposed to be this way. You're getting a two hundred dollar fee tomorrow. It's like, uh, hey, Bruce, we did we approve a cave? underneath your mansion i don't like i don't remember do we, do you have permits for this where 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 are the permits we need nobody to know. knows about the cave except the hoa <laughs> all right i, I want to see this now Me too. see see it's interesting but uh i'll give this uh series this trade to bat thumbs up and like i said it gives me in addition like the batman film that's coming out looks great but the fact that Tomlin worked on this also gets me even more excited. Yeah, that's we need, awesome. we need to fix our rating system. This thumb thing makes no sense. I was gonna say two bat oh, thumbs out of how many bat thumbs total. Yeah. What's the we I mean I think bats this. have two thumbs, right? I'm making this up, but they have two <laughs> thumbs and they're both up. <laughs> well, you know, that's we'll change funny. our rating system like once somebody tells us what that's to change true. it to. Somebody tell us. A fans fans suggest us. What should we, how should we rate? Otherwise, we're going to make stuff us. up every time. Help Please. us. Are we going two out of two? Two bat thumbs out of two bat thumbs? Two, two, two bat thumbs. Both those wings are, are going up, man. All right. Sounds good. Moving on to uh, going on to Amazon, our, our favorite company, Amazon Prime, Prime Video. We have hey. the marvelous Miss Maisel. I was going to say, say what you say about Amazon Prime, but marvelous Miss Maisel. I have only great, mainly great things to say about that show. It's A1. If you are unfamiliar with the show, please watch it. It is fantastic. I have binged most of the series in a ridiculously short amount of time because of Josh, how good tell it us is. How, how ridiculously short. I know it's been very recent for you. I watched about two seasons worth of content within a few days. Wow. And I think it's about eight to ten episodes. I think it's like season. eight episodes for season one and two. I think or t- I think ten and then season three had eight. Season four just came out. So if you're late to the game, uh, we'll give you a quick little recap and then let you know at which point we're going to be talking about the current episodes. That way you can dip out for a few minutes. The Marvelous Miss Maisel is about a woman who lives in upstate New York. Oh, not upstate New York. Upper East Side. Upper East Side. <laughs> right. I knew, I knew you were in there somewhere. Upper something. I blinked. I was like, upper, upper state, <laughs> upstairs? You know, up north. Yeah, a lady in Niagara Falls. Anyway, yeah. she, she lives in a bougie area of New York. She is wealthy. She comes from a wealthy Jewish family. She has the perfect life. Two kids. Husband works for some business selling. He doesn't even know what he does. And that all comes crashing to a halt when he leaves her and she finds herself pursuing a career in stand-up comedy. That is the premise of the show. 
That's all I'm going to tell you. Right? Yeah, it's in the nineteen. Yeah. It's in nineteen fifty-eight, I believe. So, uh, a woman living that kind of lifestyle, having her husband leave her, is pretty significant. And then the scandal for pursuing stand-up comedy is also very significant. The writing is A1. I, I cannot say enough how good this is. And, and these writers are the same from Gilmore Girls, which is a- Gilmore Girls. There's the reference. Yeah, we're uh, still on the Gilmore train. Is what Josh we're has to not watched it. Gilmore Girls, though. That's the you problem. know what though. After watching this show, I really want to watch Gilmore Girls. Gosh, I was the same. I I grew up watching a couple Gilmore Girls episodes because my mom always had it on. But the second I finished season two of Miss Maisel, I like. I like right away went and checked out a few episodes because I was like, if the writing of this show is this amazing, like this other show, Gilmore Girls, has to have something that I will be attracted to. Yeah. Um, I I think this TV, I think this show might have the best writing I've I've seen in a TV show. It's immaculate. I know that's a strong claim, but it's, the consistency it's up there. Yeah. Can anyone? Name many examples to like counter that. I mean, better, better call Saul. I think does something that's so similar, where it takes a character you wouldn't think could be interesting, or a situation that you wouldn't think would be interesting, and it makes it interesting. That so I is perfect for uh, for the show. Yeah, yeah. So I I think that's I think it's along the same lines of just writing and that level yeah. of writing. So. No, I can see that because like the premise. I mean. This show really could have just been like a mini series of a girl like doing comedy, but it's just like the timing of the punchlines. Like, I feel like that's like, that's like such a hard thing. It's like a director and a writer could be a fan of comedy, but it's like to bring their own unique approach to a character that is made up from scratch. I mean, I'm sure they pull their influences from a lot of like real life comedians, but I feel like, I feel like that would just be such a difficult thing to do. It's like comedy's hard enough to land. And like to have it in a comedy show on a fake person and just like I can't imagine how many times they had to like sit around the writing table and like rewrite lines. Um, And it's so compelling. I I typically hate any TV show or movie that's about rich people. It's like I don't care about you. I don't care about your problems. Boo hoo. But I'm I was I'm so invested in all these characters. It's and it's a tribute. It's a testament to the writing. Yeah, it gives you a different perspective as well. It's the same. Yeah, it's the same thing about Gilmore Girls. And I mean, I, I even brought this up. Um, you guys are talking about what what's a show that has a, a competent writing. I would also put Julian Fellows, who writes both uh, Downton Abbey and The Gilded Age. It's like you wouldn't think you would care about rich people, but the way it's written, you forget what you're watching. And I think that uh, Marvelous Miss Maisel does that so well. I mean, Amy Amy Sherman Palladino does that so well, where She's pulling from real situations and making compelling, like dialogue, really compelling yeah. dialogue. You know, and she has that signature trademark of making everybody be extremely quippy, out of, out of breath, super <laughs> like fast-paced, yeah. quippy, lots of references, very co- like comedic banter, back and forth style. Yeah, and the yeah. thing I love, like on top of that, is this show has so much happening in the background there are constantly like hundreds of extras on the screen where it's like these scenes mm-hmm. i feel like they could have easily been like let's have five people walking in the background just to show like oh this is like a day in life a in real. new york but no they will 
hundreds of people. They're, they have their own unique mannerisms. They have their own dialogues going on, which is such a, I just feel like it was such like a big reason why I was like, like enamored into the show is like, I just wanted to visualize like every scene and just like breathe it in and absorb it. And I think that's like one of the big reasons why this, this new season took so long is like, imagine COVID delays on a TV show where you have 10 people on screen. Now imagine a TV show where you have, yeah, up to a hundred people sometimes and on screen. being filmed in New York city and having to have all the iconic New York city backs, like landscapes and backgrounds and, it's and and then also being a city that's famous for having a, an abundance of people at all times in every shot. Right, I think I think that's something that uh, she does so well. Um, the, I think the difference uh, between Gilmore Girls and Marvelous Miss Maisel is basically that in Gilmore Girls she brings that same life, but in a small town feel, and here in Marvelous Miss Maisel she brings that life to big town feel. Like you, you're definitely not sitting there going, "Where are where are they?" Like you know they are in New York, right? Like every every shot everything feels like every New York shot. Too. Feels like New York, exactly. Well, except when they're in Paris, then that's Paris. But yeah, yeah. (laughs) Spoiler for the Paris scene. No, I like I like the idea of just giving no context to when any characters in Paris. Uh, Amy Sherman Palladino has a thing for Paris. Okay, just just so you guys know, like she, I think she may have lived there or something. I feel like she did. She everything. Yeah, I don't know. She loves Paris. Uh, Gilmore Girls has very big Paris plot lines too. So yeah, there's know. there's definitely and a, a lot very of Paris. big character named Paris. So that, okay, I forgot about that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> she true. loves Paris. So um, and Paris is the best character in Gilmore Girls. So I'm not surprised about that. So well, so Josh and Alex, what are your first thoughts so far on the return of season four and? So I was a little late jumping into the show. I started watching it at around late 2020. So I still had about a year to wait for this new season. I think the way season three ended, I had some like pretty big annoyances with Midge, even though I still love her character. And I feel like the beginning of this season, it's just like Midge times a thousand. Her character, she's an ENFP. So it's like she is bubbly. She's friendly. She's outgoing. She loves being on the good side of everyone, but I think there's just been so much breakdowns with her character that like, you're now starting to see like, Oh, Midge, maybe she's friendly, but a lot of these times she's just like being friendly to get what she wants. And I think because of this, I think, I think something really, really big is going to happen where Midge like hardcore crashes and burns. And I think she's going to like, hopefully, hopefully like be aware of like the situations that she's put herself into. I feel like she plays the victim in a lot of situations and I want to see her admit like mistakes. Cause I don't think she does that. And I think one of the big reasons she does this is it's like, she's so obsessed with being the best comedian now that she doesn't have any time to focus on any other aspects of her life. She like ignores her kid she basically ignores her parents. Joel kind of feels like an afterthought. It's so weird. Like Joel is her ex-husband. I've always hated him. And I feel like I'm actually low-key kind of cheerleading for him this season. Um, I'm curious who you're cheering for, Josh. I actually, it even back in season one, I, I hated his guts. But as the season progressed, I was like, I see the redemption arc that they're going for with him. 
everybody in the show is like severely flawed and it feels real, especially Joe. Joe is so flawed, but at the same time, Joel. Like, I, Joel. Isn't that what yeah. it, did I say? Joe or Joel? I said Joe. Oh, Joel. I don't know <laughs> if there's okay. a Joe in the show. Anyways, he is such a flawed character, but I still, I do find myself rooting for him. And like the, the whole, they keep teasing, like, are they going to get back together? Like, it feels like they are. And then they, they both do stuff that makes it seem like they're not. That's one part of the story. I don't know about you guys where that for me that really resonates like my parents are divorced so i was like this hits home so hard because that is every kid who is a product of divorce like that is every kid's dream for their parents to get back together (laughs) and and like i've talked to my therapist about this like divorce is so common that people downplay it but the effects of it like you are so underestimated and yeah. so, you know, people are like, oh, but it's the best for the kids. No, the best thing for the kids is for you to get your act together, make it work, and at least pretend you're happy. So put that on your plate. Yeah, I, I do want to, you guys brought up really good points. I do just want to throw some things in there. Amy Sherman Palladino does not do um, character resolution. I think that's the nicest way to put it. So this this moment of catharsis that you're looking for um uh for midge to have i I just don't think it's gonna happen man uh i think it's telegraphed what's up i would say i I was gonna continue after that oh well i was gonna say the only reason why i i I say that just to put just some thought into that is that i see so many of the same like like plot points that in in marvelous miss mazel presented in a very different way than gilmore girls gilmore girls lorelei has to choose between her two loves, right? Luke, her future potential, and Christopher, her past. That's that's like one of like the most like, I guess you could say like uh, a grounding themes throughout the show, right? And so I think Marvelous Maisel is doing the same thing with Midge's love for comedy, or her love for Joel and her family and the th- like. And I think that's really telegraphed in the episode with the with the artist when the artist tells her that if you want to be great at something, then you have to give up everything else. And the, I, I and I think that's the, the the pendulum that she has to learn which side of the pendulum she wants to be on. Does she want to be the greatest comedian who ever lived, or does she want to be uh, 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 Miriam Miriam Maisel, the, the 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 housewife, the the mother, the the good daughter? Right. I think that's the duality that you're seeing the the, the scales that she's forced to balance. And I think that to, you know you'll see those other. It makes sense that you're seeing those other characters become less in her mind or in the show because it's less in her mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which leads me into like the other thought I have with how I think the season could go mm-hmm. is if Midge, which she already basically has done is give up on parenting and the family side of her life and continues to pursue comedy. I think there's going to be a dark side uh, that Midge is going to experience that we aren't seeing yet. Um, they've kind of hinted at Lenny Bruce kind of maybe getting back into the picture of the season. Which, by the way, Lenny Bruce is a fellow comedian who's kind of a little bit more grim, I guess, than Midge. She's, she mm-hmm. stays pretty cheery and he, he can be a little more pessimistic. He's yeah, the dark he's side. Def- yeah, he's he's also a very attractive man played by Luke Kirby. 
Yeah, he's an attractive man. I say this as a heterosexual man. Lou Kirby, <laughs> as Lenny Bruce, is very attractive. And he's also very good. Attractive suave. And suave, he's, yeah. he's suave, but he yeah. also is yeah. a substance user. So, which mm-hmm. because of that, because of his substance use, I think Midge is going to experience the dark side of entertainment and is going to be around a lot of hard drugs. I personally mm-hmm. think Lenny Bruce is going to overdose with Midge there in the season. And that's, I think oh, that's wow. going to cause a um, something to happen. I feel like it's a big prediction. I, think, I know it's a I huge can, prediction, but, but I, thought, I, can that's do, I, can, I can see I that, agree yeah. with that, though. I can, I can agree with that because I, I think what you're supposed to see is that Susie is her, like, if, if it's like the, the, the age-old um, imagery of, like, the devil and angel on your shoulder, as funny as this is the, the here, I think Susie is the is the the angel right the the one that's supposed to keep her on <laughs> yeah. like, crazy the angel. right path yeah. and i think lenny i think lenny is like that devil that one that's i mean lenny told her from the jump before she even contemplated doing this he's like this isn't a, this isn't a glamorous lifestyle and i'm not a glamorous person he tells that from yeah. the jump so he he actually life, has oh go I was ahead, gonna say, in real life many real comedians suffer with substance abuse depression mm-hmm. right. suicide yeah. it's a if they're the funniest people in the world, and then they're the saddest people in the world. How many comedians commit suicide, right? Yeah, yeah, no, sadly, yeah. yeah. And yeah, like you were saying, like we haven't seen Midge hasn't encountered that dark side of the entertainment industry really. In in the start of this season, you start to see that's a possibility because she's she's working at a strip club now, like she's getting into like the seedier side of entertainment, and yeah, like I I do wonder like is it going to start going towards that direction? I kind of hope not. One thing I've always liked about the show is like, despite how many terrible things happen, like there's still like this fun and whimsical cheeriness to it. And, you know, sometimes it's just nice to have a little bit of that. Yeah. Mainly with yeah. Uh, Joel's mom, Susie, oh, right? Shirley. Or Shirley. Sorry. I think yeah. Shirley, Shirley brings all the humor back into, into the show. I mean, everyone makes me laugh in the show, though. Like, uh-huh. e- even, like, the stuff that Susie does, she cracks me up. Everybody on the show is hilarious. By the way, Daniela pointed, pointed something out to me. The the dad, Abe, do you know what he's from, by the way? From Monk. Monk. The, 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 beyond from- Monk, though. Before Monk. Before Monk. Before, I don't know. He was Monk a Men in Black. So I don't even know him before Monk. Spy Kids. Oh, who was yes, he in Spy Kids? <laughs> he was the um, Spy Kids and Monk. Was uh, he one of the Floops Fluglies? No, I think he was one of the, the villains, actually. I think he's you know a villain. Okay. I remember that now yeah. that you're saying that. Yeah. yeah, he was in Spy Kids. I was like, holy cow, that's where he's from. I was like, and he, it's so bizarre. So, yes, um, I just wanted to throw that out there because I thought that was funny. <laughs> he's also, apparently, Tony Shalhoub was also in Men in Black and Galaxy Quest. Yeah, he oh, plays an alien in Men in Black. Wow. He gets his head blown I knew, off. I knew, yeah, I knew about that one. But yeah, that's, I forgot that's about that. Plus. Everyone's wow. trying to take me out of Miss Maisel, and I'm going to think of him in Men in Black. Well, going back to <laughs> Lenny Bruce, we're talking about the darkness within him and the impact he might have on the show. He has one of my favorite lines in the whole show. And I, I don't know it verbatim, but he says something to the effect of how comedy is terrible. Like it, mm. it's something that should not exist, like cancer or God. And like that, his whole monologue about how he loves comedy, but it's awful. Mm-hmm. And he ends it with that. Like it should not exist like cancer or yeah. God. Well, that, that's what I meant. He he, yeah. he warned her. He warned her yeah. that like, like, and it's, it's fitting that he used those two, um, I guess you could say extreme dynamics, yeah. extremes of cancer because 
depending on the way you look at it, both of those things kill you, right? So, yep, yep. or or either kill you or kill people around you. Like I said, depending on your perspective and what you believe in. So, I think that's where his perspective was, and I think you're seeing that now become manifesting in her life. So we'll see. What, I I don't think we'll it's going to get as dark as as mm-hmm. you guys think, but I do think that there's going to be that temptation. Something that Amy Sherman's really. Oh, so we're going to say Kate. Also, I agree with you. I, th- I think that, that they're good at doing that on the show of balancing yeah. the the happy moments and the fun moments. They have perfect comedic timing, you know, and, and they have good comedic relief. But yeah, I, I think the show's getting better at showing you the bad the bad parts of the life. Bad the bad stuff. Like, because yeah. that's the because it's not even that it's bad. It's just it is like like you guys said before. It is the realistic perspective. And she. Well, and, I'm excited and, to finish the season. Um, I've been waiting a long time. I think we should, at the end of the season, all discuss the ending and see how far off I was from guessing it. Or from, yeah, from close to I, it. I agree. And I, I do hope it doesn't go too realistic. Like, if I want to see something depressing and really real, I'll watch Euphoria, watch Euphoria. or whatever. Yeah! On something that dabbles in reality, but also just makes me laugh and forget I'm the same. crazy the world is. It's just is. my crazy prediction, but let's hope I'm wrong. Can I, can I, before we, before we end today, yeah. can I, can I just give a crazy prediction for Euphoria? Sure. Go for just it. To, just to throw it out there. I don't know I anything think, about the show. I think Rue is dead. And I think the oh. entire show is being told posthumously. AJ, I have never that's even my, thought of that, but that's you're my, just saying that. When you watch the show, it'll make a lot of sense with each episode that you watch, because I think she's already dead. Who's real? Just Isn't gonna that throw the girl that from there. Hunger Games? <laughs> Josh, like, Josh we have no time for questions. Only time no, for no you to watch it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen two if episodes. Watch, I could see it. Why is the yeah, girl from I'm Hunger Games in Euphoria? AJ, oh don't God. tell me that. Don't tell me that prediction because yes, I don't want I it to think, be true. I, I think she's dead. Uh, that, oh, and, and AJ, the, and the reason, no. And the reason why I say that, Kate, is because she has incredible insight on everyone's lives and situations that she would have like, no insight on. I know. So, she's very yes. omnipresent when she talks, so I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. So just I don't, throw that I'm not going to think about it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hope you're wrong. <laughs> I'm going to hope you're wrong, but I think you might be right. If it happens, uh, HBO, hire AJ. Please. Please come after me. <laughs> I, I, I'll do magic for you. Watch. Yeah. Hire AJ. Right. Hire AJ. All um, right, Alex. How many thumbs are we giving uh, Midge Maisel? How many uh, human thumbs, right? Uh, I'm going to give for, <laughs> for season four for how it's starting so far. Out of two thumbs, I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it one. One thumb. Oh. I'll fight you. Wow. I'll fight you. The thumb is. The thumb's fully extended. It's one fully okay. extended thumb. It's one, reaching. One it's reaching to be a second thumb. Okay. Okay. What? Yeah. Um, and that's that's it for our show. If you liked what you heard, subscribe so you can stay up to date on all of our content. If you're on YouTube, hit that like button. Drop us a comment and or rating to tell us what you thought. Most of you are on Spotify and probably not Apple. So those downloads, reviews, and ratings really mean the world to us. It's what's helping our show grow. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, basically any social media at the bandwagon fan pod and on Facebook and YouTube at the bandwagon fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we have a discord. We haven't really used it yet, but we have one. This yeah. is we have motivating a us to use discord a little more. It's you really hard to find people. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to find people. 
You can find episodes wherever you listen to your other favorite podcasts. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Bye. 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 Bandwagon is hosted by Josh Jimenez, Alex Mogosa, and me, AJ Soy. Our show is produced by Kate Smith and edited by yours truly. Our theme song is Lush Waves by Taylor Lewin of Underscore Audio. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.